0: Welcome to episode 28 of the Red Seat Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I'm joined by Matt Collins of BP and Over the Monster. You can find Matt Collins on Twitter at at Red Sox underscore thoughts. Um, Matt, uh, the Red Sox uh, offseason officially begins now that the um, Cubs have clinched the World Series. So now we can really start getting down and dirty into the details about what this team needs to do to get to where the Cubs got to this year.
1: Yeah, um, I kind of started yesterday, two days ago, when they picked up, uh, Buckholz's option. So we are officially in hut stove season.
0: Yeah, that was, um, that was definitely refreshing to see that they did that. It was, it was sort of a foregone conclusion that they were going to pick up that option, but then it was taking some time, it seemed like. It, it, there was, there was some question as to, like, why they hadn't done it yet. I don't know what the holdup was, but, um, now that he's in the fold, that's a good thing. They declined the option on Ryan Hannigan, which was sort of a no-brainer given the the amount of catching depth that the Red Sox have. Um, so overall, nothing unexpected, but things that are nonetheless good for the
1: team going forward. Yeah, definitely. I think there's people that are upset about the Buckholz thing, but, um, I mean, quite frankly, they don't really know what they're talking about if they are getting super upset about it.
0: Yeah, it's... Uh, He's a pitcher who had a ERA of like 3.22 or something like that in the second half of the season this year uh, after he started pitching from the stretch and, and figured some things out. And Regardless, uh, even bad pitching is exorbitantly expensive. So if you have a guy that cheap uh, under control, you, it's a no-brainer. But what I wanted to talk about first is uh, the Cubs winning the World Series. Obviously, just unbelievable series that the uh, Cubs and the Indians had. Uh, Cubs coming back from down three one the game seven that will be talked about for um probably the rest of both of our lives it was that good of a game um, but my big takeaway from the Cubs winning the World Series and going against the opponent that they did is that it was so tough as a Boston Red Sox fan not to look at both teams' rosters and sort of have that longing sense of you know wishing some of those guys were back here um. The Red Sox had so many guys on both of those teams that had played here or been in the front office. Um, we had Theo Epstein, John Lester, John Lackey, Anthony Rizzo, David Ross, Terry Francona, Andrew Miller, Mike Napoli. Um, there's even more guys than that, but that's just to name a few. Um, when you were watching this series on both sides, first of all, who were you rooting for out of the, the, the two teams? Because there were guys on both sides – Um, who meant a lot to the Red Sox, and then was there one or two of these guys that you looked back during the series and were like, man, the Red Sox really screwed up not having this guy
1: around? Um, So, first off, I was rooting for Cleveland. Um, The whole Chapman thing was a big part of it. That kind of felt gross all year, Um, but also I despise Joe Madden. He's possibly my least favorite person in baseball so i really didn't want to see him win but obviously i'm happy for cubs fans and uh theo and lester and all those guys so i wasn't too upset to see them win um as far as the second question i think lester's probably the obvious answer there um that's been talked about since before he even left when they were trying to extend him and they were lowballing him so um I think that's the obvious one, but at the same time, I kind of... When he signed with Chicago, I wasn't too upset that the Red Sox didn't give him all that money. I didn't think he was going to keep being this good. Obviously, I was wrong about that, and they did make a mistake, but I'm not as upset about it just because I probably would have done the same thing. Um, I think Andrew Miller is the one I'm more upset about because they should have signed him after trading him. They... uh, it was a big contract for a reliever, but, I mean, I felt, even at the time, I felt like he was definitely worth that, and he's been proving that. So I think that seeing him play such a huge role in those play, in these playoffs uh, really hurt. And then also, uh, Francona, that was, um, he had an amazing postseason, too, uh, managing the bullpen and everything else about the Indians. And it's not even that the Red Sox let him go. It's everything they did to him on the way out the door um, has always left a bad taste in my mouth. So I really would have liked to see him win and kind of stick to the Red Sox. And obviously I'm still really upset that he's gone.
0: Yeah. You know, I was rooting for the Cubs just because of, you know, the the 108 years of of suffering that those guys have gone through. Um, I just remembered what that was like very acutely when the curse was, was still a thing around here. And then after 2003, so I felt a little bit of that um, when I was rooting for those guys. And also, like two years ago on a podcast uh, for Fantasy, I made the prediction that the Cubs would win the World Series uh, this year, um, which was you know kind of bold at the time and it ended up happening. So I was kind of rooting for my own selfish interest too. Um, ah. But I totally agree with you that the person that I uh, – I kind of missed the most out of all these guys was was Terry Francona though, watching him manage. He was just perfect um throughout almost the entire postseason. Um it it was it was tough. It was tough watching him manage for the other side, but at the same time, um you realize that when he was here I think his time had run its course a little bit. You know, I think he was worn out. Uh, from being in the Boston market and I think taking that year off and going to a place where every move isn't scrutinized to the same degree that it is here in Boston was probably a really positive thing for his career and I don't know that Terry Francona could have been the Terry Francona that he was this year had he stayed in Boston. Um, With John Lester I totally agree um, that they they let him get away. Uh, I was for signing him at the time, uh, definitely because he's a homegrown guy and he was proven in the playoffs. Um, but I did like the David Price signing at the time too. So you know that is what it is. Um, in terms of Andrew Miller, though, uh, that's one of the ones that I was happy about when they made the move, and it seemed like it made a ton of sense. But the more time that passes, the more I'm second guessing that trade because. Uh, Rodriguez was a huge return for what really amounted to about two months of the Orioles having Andrew Miller. But at the same time, when you look back at what the Red Sox did to make Andrew Miller the pitcher that he is today, like you you made this guy. You you fixed him, you made him the reliever that he is, and then you let him walk away. And then they didn't make a huge effort to re-sign him in the offseason even after the trade, which I think would have been the the no-brainer there. to if You could have gotten both the return and re signed this guy. So that's the one I think probably stings the most right now.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I still think the Miller trade was smart, and I would do that uh, 10 times out of 10. But they were in it to sign him, and they didn't make that final push that they should have. Um, as far as Francona, I would agree with pretty much everything you said that his time probably had run his course. And I was, I'm not super upset about letting him go. Like I said, it's mostly the way that they went about it. And, um, just putting out all those rumors into the media and leaking all that stuff, um, was just awful. That was as mad as I've ever been at the Red Sox.
0: Yeah, that was a pretty bad hack job. Um, I agree. He did not deserve anything close to that. And, uh, any personal stuff he was going through certainly didn't deserve to be leaked into the media for a guy who um, brought them to their first two World Series victories. So, yeah, I, I agree. He's a class act, too. Um, so going into the offseason, the Sox are in just about as good a position as any team in the American League, it seems like, to challenge for the pennant next year, Um the other team that I look at going into next year is the Red Sox' biggest competition is definitely going to be Cleveland again because uh, not only were they you know, one run away from winning the World Series, essentially, um, or two runs, uh, but they bring pretty much everybody back, assuming they can bring back Napoli. Um, they're going to get Salazar back. They're going to get... Um, uh, what's his name back? Uh, Carrasco. Um, So they'll be a really strong team. At the same time, the Toronto Blue Jays and the Texas Rangers, um, the Rangers who overperformed what they were supposed to do by so much, um, seem to be taking a step back with all the guys who are free agents for those teams um, going into next year. So I wanted to know from you, who would you rate as your top five uh, AL teams going into the offseason? Like. Just as they stand right now without people uh, being signed?
1: Um, so I think I disagree with you about Texas. I know they outperformed, um, they're on differential and all that, but still on paper, this team looks really good and they have a lot of young talent that should get better. Um, Profar, Odor, Lucroy, um, they're losing Beltran, but uh, they got to hope Gallo uh, can step in there and Mazzara is still there. Plus they're getting Darvish back in the rotation and I would assume they'll sign another starter. So I still really like Texas. I think they're in the top three with, uh, the Red Sox in Cleveland. And, um, I'd put Houston up there. Um, I know that they were a little disappointing for a lot of the season. They were supposed to be a playoff team, but all that talent's still there. And plus they are, uh, that um, Sports Illustrated article that was 2017, right? 2017 World Champions. Yes, so it was, yeah, this is this is their year. <laughs> so I think they have to be in the top five. And after that, it's kind of tough. Um, I think it depends on what the Blue Jays do with Encarnacion and Batista. I mm. think if they bring back Encarnacion, I'd put them in the top five. If they lose both of them, I'd probably I don't know Baltimore. Uh, maybe the Tigers. D- yeah, Detroit. Maybe even the Yankees could take a step up. I don't know. Right. Um, so I think the top four is pretty clear to me. And then um, that last spot, I think, depends on what the Blue Jays do.
0: I think I'm with you. Even in the perceived drop-off that I think that the uh, the Rangers are going to have, um, and that's mostly based on war. I don't know if you, you saw the, the piece that Fangraphs ran. I think it was a Jeff Sullivan piece um about a month ago about um you know the that the the war that they had on both the pitching and hitting side really didn't translate to the amount of wins that they had this year they grossly outperformed their pythagorean record um and then when you look at um what they have coming back projected for next year it still doesn't come anywhere close to what they did this year but i I agree with you that the pieces are definitely there. They have a lot of high upside guys. They're gonna have Luke Roy for a full season. So there's a lot of things that do point in that direction. And with the rest of um the American League kinda of not having that many teams that jump out to you as as being um contenders right off the bat, I think they have to be in that conversation of, of top four Uh, I do like the Astros just a little bit more than I like them. But the interesting thing about the top four, and I agree with the top four that you've put down, is that the Indians, the Astros, and the Rangers are now the three longest uh, World Series droughts in baseball. Um, And those are going to be four of the best teams in the American League, or three of the four. So uh, very interesting to, to think that we could have one of those teams possibly break the drought as well.
1: Yeah, I didn't know that. That is interesting.
0: Uh, yeah, 55 years for the Rangers and 54 years for the um, the Houston Astros. So um, as the Red Sox move into the offseason, what moves are on the Red Sox checklist? Um, they've got to replace David Ortiz in some way. Um, they also have had a pretty massive exodus from their front office, which we'll talk about a little bit uh, going forward, and then, This whole thing with having two uh, elite relievers seems to uh, really be working pretty well for teams lately. The Royals did it all the way to a World Series. Um, The Cubs uh, had a bunch of really good relievers this year uh, who got it done for them, Um, and we saw what the Indians were able to do with two elite relievers. So um, it seems like the Red Sox probably have to explore that direction, but where where did they go?
1: Um, well, I think you pretty much nailed it with, uh, they got to replace Ortiz somehow. Um, I know they said that they're comfortable doing it, uh, inside the organization, but I'd be really surprised if they didn't bring somebody in. I don't necessarily think that they are, um, as big of a favorite for Encarnacion as a lot of people do, but I think they'll go to the next tier down and grab somebody like Beltran or Matt Holliday or something like that. Um, and then the bullpen, um, I know I would love for them to sign Kenley Jansen, but I don't see that happening either. Uh, he's gonna get he's gonna get an amount of money that people are going to freak out about on Twitter. Um, he's <laughs> I think he'll deserve it. He's in my opinion the first or second best reliever in baseball, and um, he's only 29, I think 29 or 30. So I mean, he gets a five year deal. It's not too too crazy. Um, right, and that cutter's filthy oh it's insane um i wouldn't expect them to get melanson either i think he's kind of that sweet spot of um dominant reliever but not gonna be crazy crazy expensive plus he won't cost a draft pick um but unfortunately he has a little bit of history in boston that did not go well so i wouldn't be surprised if that made them shy away just enough where they won't make the extra push for him (laughs) Mm -hmm. um i think greg holland's the guy i'm kind of getting behind and obviously there's a ton of risk there he missed all of last season we haven't seen him but they are going to be at his workout which i believe is on monday so um that shows they're at least interested so i wouldn't i would like to see him and i'd like to see them add another lefty and uh hope that between holland and kelly and Maybe bring back uh, Uihara or Ziggler. Um, they can kind of get that second guy uh, from them instead of having to go big for Jansen or Melanson.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I, I think I would prefer that they go all in for a guy like Jansen um, then they take a flyer on Holland or that they do both because I don't think Holland's going to be particularly expensive. Um, Seeing that he is coming off such a long hiatus, and we really don't know what we're going to get for him, uh, or what, nobody really knows what they're going to get from this guy. He was, you know, one of the the best relievers in baseball for a long period of time. So I'm really enticed by that idea. But at the same time, I have to think that if the Red Sox decide that they want Kenley Jansen, that there's probably not too many obstacles to them g- going out and signing him because. Um, The way that we've seen Andrew Friedman operate so far, even when he's moved out to L.A., has been one where it seems like he kind of sets a line in the sand for his guy. And if he doesn't think that that player deserves more than that, he's not going to go past that. And it seems like Dombrowski is very much the opposite. Like, if Dombrowski decides that he wants that guy, he's going to go out and get him almost regardless of the cost. Um, So... I'm just not sure that um, that they're going to be outbid for him if they decide they want him. What do you think about that?
1: I don't necessarily disagree. I'm just not sure that they're going to want to do that. Um, I don't know if they're going to want to put all those resources into uh, one basket. Um, I think the thing about signing Holland is that wouldn't be the only thing they do in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Um They signed Holland, they could bring back Koji, they could bring back Ziggler, they could look at somebody like Joe Blanton or maybe Neftali Feliz. Uh, There's a lot of interesting second and third tier relievers out there. So I think um, if they sign Jansen, that's probably all they're going to do. But if they go in the other direction, they can bring in a couple of them and uh, just see what sticks. And It's not my favorite strategy, but I think it's the more likely strategy this year.
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that works out, um, because the bullpen has certainly been the the part that has brought down Dave Dombrowski in the past, so I'll be curious to see how conservative he is with that plan. Um, It would be pretty palatable, though, if they do bring back Koji, Holland, uh, and Ziegler. Uh, If they brought all those guys in, you have to think that at least one to two of those guys is going to work out pretty well, Um, and... You are probably going to have some attrition there considering the ages and injury history of both of those or th- all three of those guys. Yeah, definitely. Um, how do you feel about Joe Kelly, though, uh, as potentially a seventh or eighth inning guy considering what he did in September and October? I mean, it's hard to bank on that uh, because it is Joe Kelly. Um, but do you think that he's capable of that?
1: I. Do think he's capable of it? Um, I think people are getting a little ahead of themselves, um, which is understandable after what he showed at the end of the year. But uh, I think there's still going to be a lot of home run in his game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think he could be something similar to uh, Shinichi Tazawa when Tazawa was like just off the peak of his game when he was still really good, but also giving up some of that hard contact. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I, that command still worries me. Um, I have to see it over a few months in a row before I get, before I really start buying into it. But, um, I mean, as the third or preferably fourth best reliever in the bullpen, that's a really good spot. Um, I definitely don't want him as the second best (laughs) heading into a season.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I think that that would be, uh, way too much of a risk for a club that expects to contend uh, going into next year. Um, yeah, uh, man, i totally forgot I was going to ask. Oh yeah, I remember what I was going to ask you. Um, so you talked about the Red Sox uh, and maybe not being the prohibitive favorites for Edwin Incarnacion, possibly going with a, a smaller move like a Beltran or a Holiday. Um, is that your preference for the team or is that what you think they'll do or
1: both? Um, it kind of depends. Like if they went after Jansen then I wouldn't mind them uh, going smaller at DH. But if they're going to go small at reliever, then I'd like to see them uh, go all in for Encarnacion. Uh, I just think that this team has the money to spend. And they're at a point where they need to... uh, The value of every win is huge right now because they're at that point where they're a low 90s win team and they should be competing for the playoffs and they need to bring in whatever they can, so... I mean, I think pushing the budget a little more for Encarnacion, um, if they're not going to spend the money in the bullpen, that's where they should put the money. He's not going to be what Ortiz was last year, but he's going to be right in the middle of this lineup and be a huge run producer. So I don't think – I think the contract's going to get a little out of control, and I don't think that they're going to go that far. But um, at the same time, like you said, it is Dabrowski. So if he is involved, he might do it and uh I hope they do.
0: Do you think it's going to be more than uh, four years, 25 mil a season?
1: Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he got five years with a little less per year, um, I think. I mean, it all depends what he's looking for, obviously, if he wants the long-term security. But I think he'll be able to get a longer-term deal.
0: Um, how far would you be willing to go on a guy like that? What, what's your max?
1: Um. Yeah, I haven't really thought about that. I would probably, how old is he? He's what, 32, uh, he's 33? 30,
0: I think he's going to be going into his age 34 season next year.
1: Age 30, oh, I thought he was younger than that. Um, I mean, I'd probably try and get an option for a fifth year and um, go 20. I would probably go with the twenty. I mean, 425 I would do. That's expensive and it's a lot per year. Um, and I'd add that. I'd add that uh, 50 year option in, maybe a mutual option or a vesting option, but um, he might actually end up getting more than that.
0: Yeah, I, I put that as the max, too, that I would be willing to go for him is four years, 25 per. I think it's also realistic that he could get five and 20 um, from some team, and if the Red Sox did that, I wouldn't be that upset, uh, but I would like to see it kind of qualified, too. You know, You have to hit a certain number of at-bats or something like that um, for that option to vest for the fifth year, I think that that would be pretty fair. I don't know how many teams have the uh, the the spot for him the way that the Red Sox do, though, because with David Ortiz leaving, like you have an open spot for a guy who can be largely a DH-only guy um, or a guy who can shift over and play some first base. And by defensive metrics, uh, baseball prospectus actually likes Edwin Encarnacion more at first base than they do Hanley Ramirez um, from this past season, albeit in limited time. So it it does seem like you could switch those guys back and forth with really no consequence.
1: Yeah. um, Yeah. I think he is a good fit for the Red Sox. I don't know if he's, I mean, I think Toronto's going to go really hard after him. Um, I think they're kind of going to let Batista go. Um, they'll make like a passing effort to re-sign him, but assuming the market builds up even a little bit, I think they'll walk away. I think they're going to put all their resources towards Encarnacion. Um, and if the Red Sox do get into a bidding war, I think that's who it will be with. Um, I also think um, Houston might be in there. Um, I know they got Gurriel. They... Don't know their roster well enough, but I feel like they are in a position where they're going to start spending a lot of money, and they're in that spot. Uh, I wouldn't be spi- surprised to see them. I wouldn't be surprised to see Texas in there. Um, if they're going to let uh, Beltran walk, I don't know what their payroll situation is, but if they have the money, I wouldn't be surprised to see them. Um, the Yankees are always involved in this kind of thing. So, I mean, when the talent is this good, there's always going to be competition. I actually think
0: that the Blue Jays are going to go harder after um, Jose Bautista than they are um, Edwin Encarnacion, and the reason is because Bautista is still playing the field. I think he has a little bit more flexibility. He's by no means a good fielder, but they've got a really good prospect coming up um, who's a real masher in Rowdy Teles, and I think that he's going to be the guy who they uh, peg to fill in long-term at the DH spot in... You know, Batista, I think, means a little bit more to that city too, in terms of what he means to the fans, and he's been there a little bit longer. So, uh, and I, I also think that ultimately he's going to get less money uh, than Edwin Encarnacion because he is a little bit older. Um, so, I, I just, I just see that as a slightly better fit.
1: Um, I mean, I could see that. I was basing um, my prediction mainly on some reports that I've seen that are. Um, I know, I'm pretty sure John Heyman said um, last night, which should be Saturday night, um, that they were more likely to go after Encarnacion. Um, And, I mean, I think he's a better player, and I think the Blue Jays are in a spot where they have to spend money. I know their fan base has been kind of getting on ownership for um, being one of the richest companies in Canada and not really spending the money to reflect that. So I wouldn't be surprised if they go big to keep one of their guys, and Carnacion and would be the bigger get.
0: Yeah, he certainly would be. Um, so what do you think about the idea of the Red Sox uh, for going, signing one of these expensive free agents and maybe going after um, a better, more complete player in the offseason uh, in trading for maybe one of Paul Goldschmidt? Or um, Joey Votto, who are two guys that may be available depending on what their respective clubs want to do. I mean, it seems like um, Cincinnati is certainly in no man's land right now. They have some decent prospects, some decent pitching, um, but nothing that really points to them being a contender anytime soon. And with the top heavy farm system that the Red Sox have, uh, it seems like there's a logical uh, package to be made there if they should want to do that. And then also with Mike Hazen, uh, and Sade and Tori Lovello headed to, um, Arizona, um, those guys are as intimately aware of the Red Sox farm system as, as anybody outside of the Red Sox, um, maybe even more than some of the guys that are still here on the Red Sox. Um, and should they decide they want to rebuild, Paul Goldschmidt could really, uh, fetch a king's ransom.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting, um. I wouldn't put the likelihood super high on them making that kind of trade. Um, as far as Goldschmidt goes, I kind of I kind of like the Diamondbacks. Um, I don't know if I'm alone in that. I know I like them coming into this year and then Pollock got hurt and that kind of ruined everything. But if he's healthy next year, that's I still think that's a really interesting roster and I don't know if they're in the spot where they start turning in all their chips and uh, Star rebuilding I know they have the new front office but I mean if I went into a situation with Pollock and Goldschmidt and Cranky and um, Tomas had a pretty good year uh, Peralta I think still has talent Jake Lamb is fun um, Gene Segura had a big year I think that's a really interesting lineup with some upside pitching with Robbie Ray and I kind of I'm probably crazy for this, but I still feel like Shelby Miller can be a useful, uh, rotation piece, even if that trade is always going to look horrible. Mm -hmm. So I don't think I see them trading Goldschmidt. I think they're in a position where they kind of have to add some pieces instead of getting rid of them. Um, as far as Votto goes, I do think that the Reds are in that position, um, for all the reasons you said, if there's any team in baseball that should be rebuilding, it's the Reds. Um, the interesting part about that is his contract. Um, he's due twenty something million dollars through his age thirty nine season, mm-hmm. and it's it's a big big deal. And I don't, I'm not saying that the Red Sox shouldn't go after it. I think that they definitely should, and I think that if they were to do that, I would say um, we'll eat the entire contract. Um, for a lesser package and see if that works um i don't know how the reds feel about that i don't know if they would rather eat the money and get the con um get the prospects back but i think that's how i would start that negotiation
0: yeah um i think that that's probably the more realistic trade in the off season at least than than paul goldschmidt is because I do agree with you. I'm I'm looking at their roster right now, um, the Arizona Diamondbacks, and this is a team who I like to be a playoff team going into last year, which I was so wrong about, but in large part because they got so many injuries as well. But Gene Segura, like you said, A.J. Pollock, um, Goldschmidt, I really like Peralta. That team's awesome um, from a hitting standpoint. And then you look at even some of their bench guys, like Brandon Drury is a guy who I really like. I think he's a really useful piece. So they've got a lot of pieces there that they could maybe see what they do at least. I I would expect that this team is going to continue to build up their roster and then maybe go into the season, see how things go at the all-star break. And if they decide they want to be sellers, um, the package that they're going to be able to get for either Goldschmidt or um, somebody like AJ Pollock at the all-star break is just going to be exorbitant. So there's really no downside for them. Uh, to doing that, but in terms of the Reds, yeah, I think you're you're right about that. That they they're probably ready to uh, to shop, but I think Votto is actually going to be worth his contract. Um, he's a fairly good defensive first baseman. I know he's taken a little bit of a step back there recently, um, but just the on base and the way that that guy plays, I think that he's going to be worth it and productive. Um, even if the power dips as he gets a little bit older, uh, I think he's just going to be worth it in terms of what the average cost per war is going to be, and that's going to keep getting more um, as as uh, as time goes on. And I think that uh, ultimately his contract's going to not be looked at as too much of an albatross.
1: Oh, I I definitely agree with that. I didn't mean to say that he. Uh, wasn't worth this deal i was just saying that is a lot of money and not a lot of teams can trade for it which kind of puts the red sox in a good position where they can be one of the few teams to be like yeah we'll take all of this on um for maybe a slightly lesser prospect deal but i agree i'm a, i love joey Votto. he's a tremendous hitter um maybe my favorite hitter to watch in baseball um so yeah i don't um Maybe the last year, year and a half, will be a little ugly, but he'll definitely be worth the majority of that deal.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the other two guys that are also possibly available, Miguel Cabrera and um, Freddie Freeman. But I think that both of those guys are probably less likely to get moved because uh, I think Atlanta is trying to have a more decent product for the new opening of their stadium. Um, his contract super affordable as well. Um, And then Miguel Cabrera is quite the opposite. I just don't know that there's going to be a team willing to take on that deal, even with as good a player as Cabrera is. They would have to probably eat a pretty large chunk of that money. But it's not something you can rule out completely with uh, Dave Dombrowski's relationships over there.
1: Yeah, I think uh, the Tigers are still in a spot where I think they want to win now. Um, I know... The thing most people talk about with them is uh, their owner, Mike Illich, is getting old and he wants to see a World Series title. So he's been pouring all this money into it um, to try and win. And I would be shocked if uh, they gave up at this point. I think they'll give it another year, maybe another two years uh, before going down that path. And obviously that's going to leave them in a really rough position for a few years. But um, I still think I still would be completely shocked to see them start trading off pieces right now.
0: Um, You know, I I would have said the same thing, but pretty recently Avila came out and said that there was nobody on the roster that was sacred after this year. I think that there might be some concession finally going on out there that this team's not going to win as currently constituted, and there are plans not to re-sign J.D. Drew, and they already shopped Cameron Mabin, so I think that 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 tide might be turning a little bit.
1: Maybe, um, but even if they did do that, I don't think Miguel Cabrera would be that guy. Yeah. I think they're going to hold on to him. He's He is the Tigers.
0: He's an institution over there. Yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. Um, so looking at the Red Sox top prospects going into um, next year, despite what uh, was you know given up for the trades that the Red Sox made to acquire Judge Pomerantz and to acquire um, Craig Kimbrell, Uh, Still one of the best farm systems in all of baseball, especially one of the most top-heavy. Baseball America just released their Red Sox top ten prospects. They had Andrew Benintendi, number one. uh, Yuan Moncada, number two. Rafael Devers, three. Kopech, fourth. uh, Jason Grom, fifth. uh, Sam Travis, uh, sixth. Mauricio Dubon, your boy, uh, number seven. Luis Alexander, the correct. Basabe, uh, number eight um Bobby Dalbeck number 9 and Roniel Roudes or Rodez or however you say that uh, <laughs> right-handed pitcher um number 10 uh thing that struck me about this is really one through 9 um these are all guys who could potentially be pretty big impact players i think Rodez is a little bit of a a lower ceiling guy maybe uh, long reliever or fifth starter at best um, but still just some really huge pieces especially in that top five uh, ending in Jason Grom yeah the the top
1: five is uh, just beyond exciting that's um, I mean I don't I'm not an expert on farm systems around the league but I would have to imagine that's one of the two or three best top fives in all of baseball um, and yeah like he said there's a big drop off after number nine um, but I mean that's probably the case with most farm systems um, so I think there were a lot of people worried after some of the trades last year that they were kind of cutting the farm system but I mean this is a really strong group um, with a lot of upside and a lot of talent either at the majors or close to the majors with Benintendi, Mancata, Travis, Dubon um, these guys are all probably going to um, appear at least once in 2017. So um, it's a fun mix of upside and close to the majors, and some of the guys like Makata have both.
0: Yeah, that's certainly true. Um, when I look at the list, though, the, the thing that, that strikes me um, about this is that if you were to make a trade, it seems that the position that the Red Sox are weakest at At the pro level, uh, and strongest at in the minor leagues is certainly third base. When you look at the Red Sox organizational depth at that position, you've got Sandoval, Shaw. Then you've got in the minor leagues, three guys in the top ten who are likely to be third basemen in Moncada. Devers, who was the most improved defensive player in their system last year and someone who is now thought to be able to stick at third base. And then Bobby Dalbeck from the, the draft. Um, this past year just completely tore it up uh, and seems to be locked in as a third baseman as well. So if they were to make a trade for a Votto-type guy or a, a similarly high-impact player, it seems like one of those three prospects, Moncada, Devers, or Dalbeck, is likely to be um, one of the biggest pieces going back the other way. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I would um, I would probably put Devers as that guy. Um, just because I don't think they're going to trade Mankata and I don't think Dalbeck is um, as highly regarded enough to kind of be that kind of piece so I think Divas is kind of in that sweet spot Um, and I still think of Mankata as the third baseman uh, even for I think by June of next year he'll be the everyday third baseman so I think he's still the third baseman in the future and everybody else is kind of um, waiting to see what happens there before they have their spot. So I don't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily bet on Devers getting traded this year. But I think if they do make a big, big trade, he would be part of it.
0: If uh, the Red Sox put out a package of uh, Devers and um, Jason Grom for Joey Votto, would you be fine with that?
1: Uh, yeah, I would. Um, I would too. Maybe I'd, Yeah, I'd. Uh, maybe I'd. Said that too quickly, but I think, I mean, Grom pitchers that, that far away are really scary, and I know Grom has all the talent in the world, but um, I mean, I think for a guy like Vada, you give that up, and then Devers hurts, but it's obviously going to hurt. um These are also two guys that I've never seen, so um I get a little attached to players that I've seen, so they, I'm more likely to be willing to trade somebody that I've never seen. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's it's certainly a little bit easier that way. Um, so let's talk about how some of these guys are performing in the Arizona Fall League because a few of the guys that we have mentioned here uh, are playing in the AFL. Um, Kopech is doing extremely well. Uh, he's been a starting pitcher for the Suaros, um and through four starts, he's got a 193 ERA uh, with 18 strikeouts and 14 innings pitched. Um, Yuan Mancato was batting two ninety two before he got injured. He sprained a finger. He's done for the remainder of the fall league. And then your boy DuBon is batting two sixty-four uh with about an eight hundred OPS. So um all three of those guys are doing pretty well, but the most impressive has to be Kopek. Um what are your thoughts about him going forward uh in the Red Sox future? Like how do you see him playing out? More as a reliever or a starter or What do you think?
1: Um, So he is another guy that I haven't seen. Um, But I think I'm a little lower on him than most Red Sox fans. Um, Obviously, the velocity is enticing, and he has the stuff. He has the secondaries. Um, But there's been some questions about his command that kind of make me worry that he's going to be a reliever. And I think he would be a dominant reliever. I will say that. Um, I think his kind of floor-ish is to be a back-end relief arm, which is obviously a good result still, but um, between those command issues and some possible makeup issues that I don't really want to speculate on, but you get the suspensions and um, some of his off-the-field stuff has been a little concerning, so between those two things, I think that the hype is going to get a little out of control, but um, at the same time, he's obviously really talented, and well, I think he would be the top prospect I'd be most willing to trade. Um, I also don't want to see that happen because he is going to be in Portland next year. And I would definitely like to get a lot of looks at him in 2017.
0: Yeah, I um, I don't want to trade this guy at all. Uh, I think that I'm so worried about trading him because I look at this guy and I see – the floor of a good Daniel Bard almost um, here. It's just he's he's got so many good pitches, um, such overpowering stuff. Uh, and I was super vindicated by what I've been seeing out of the AFL scouting reports. I've now seen two people throw Syndergaard junior comps on him, and I got laughed at on this show by whoever I was on with for throwing a Syndergaard junior comp on him. Uh, for his stuff, so I was like, I gave a big fist pump for that uh, (laughs) when I saw that, but Kopech's just going to be such a valuable guy, because even if he isn't a starting pitcher, you can envision him being a multi-inning reliever who shuts down teams for, you know, two, two and a third, whatever, um, and can really be your fireman, and I think that the league is moving towards having guys just like that play the fireman role after what we've seen recently. So, in order to control an asset like that, I think that th- there's a little bit less risk in that development than there is um, developing a starting pitcher like Jason Grom, someone who's going to presumably try and log you know 175 to 200 innings when he gets to the big league level. Uh, and I think the Red Sox have been a little bit better at developing those types of arms as well. So that would be the guy that I'd hang on to a little bit closer.
1: Yeah, that's fair. And Lord knows I would uh, love to see the game move in that direction. Um I'm not sure it's gonna happen quickly enough for Kopech for that to be his definite role. But um I agree with you. I mean I think he's really good and the talent is there. And I wouldn't trade him for nothing. But if they're gonna make a big move, they have to give up somebody big and I always just kinda lean towards the pitcher over the position player. Yeah. And I mean the reason I would go Kopech over uh Grom is that he's just better. So he would get a lot better piece. Right, yeah,
0: I, I totally understand that. Um, the other guys who are playing in the Arizona Fall League, um, we have Jalen Beeks and Jamie Callahan, who are you know not really projected to be starters or real impact relievers at the next level, but pretty decent little players. Um, they're both performing pretty well. Beeks has an ERA in the low threes. Callahan's is actually zero over eight innings pitched so far uh, in relief. But on the flip side of things... Um, Trey Ball, one of the worst draft picks the Red Sox have made in a very long time, uh, currently has an ERA over eight. Um, and my question to you is for this guy who was a really good fielder and hitter uh, in high school, is it now time to kind of see what he is uh, in the field? Because it's clearly not working out for him behind, uh, you know, at pitching
1: at this point. I think it is. Um, I mean,. Like you said, that's, I don't really have a ton of confidence that it's going to work in the field, but I have no confidence that it's going to work on the mound. Um, I mean, I think, I know he was a high draft pick and you kind of want to stick it out. He was always going to be a project, but at a certain point, you just got to say enough is enough, this isn't working, and still give him time where he can have a couple of years to develop as a hitter and see if that works and still get to the majors at a reasonable age if it did work out. Mm-hmm. Um I, mean, I think obviously the most likely scenario is that we never say see Ball in the majors. But um, I think if we do see him in the majors, it's definitely not going to be as a pitcher. So you might as well try it in the field.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Um, that was one of the picks that I absolutely hated. And I was so shocked uh, when the Red Sox actually drafted Ben Intendi where they were. Because Ben Intendi was so obviously like the guy that they should take. Um that I just thought that they were not going to take him because I wanted him to, <laughs> you know? Yeah,
1: who was uh, the other guy in the ball draft? That was uh, Austin Meadows was right there, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, they yeah. were right there. It was uh, That was the Meadows-Fraser draft, I believe.
1: Yeah, uh, I think, Fra- well, Frazier got picked ahead of Ball, I believe.
0: Yeah, he did. Um, but at the same time, that was the first draft in, like, I want to say, like, 30 or 40 years that the Red Sox had picked that high. Yeah. And for them to waste that pick, I was just like, what are you guys doing? You know, you, you you think that they would go after, even if they were going after high school arm, and high school arm with a little bit more pedigree than a guy like Trey Ball, it just seemed like they were throwing a dart. It, it seemed like a guy who could have been a 10th round pick as easily as he could have been a first rounder.
1: Yeah, I know – um Chris Crawford, who was with BP and now he's with Rotold, um, a prospect analyst, said that he at the time of the draft, he always liked the ball more as a position player than a hitter or than a pitcher anyways. So, I mean that's a little bit of hope, not enough to turn around. But I mean as far as that draft went, I pay a little more attention to that stuff now than I did back then, but at that time I would be lying if I said I had any strong opinions either way about that. I didn't really know anything about any of those guys. I did kind of want Austin Meadows, but again, that was more based off uh, feel than anything else.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so as we kind of look to close out the uh, the podcast here, um, I want to look up and down the Red Sox roster a little bit. And it seems like they're going to be set at most positions. You know, Pedroia is going to be locked in. Bogarts, Betts, Ramirez. Um, third base is still a little bit of a question mark, what they're going to do there with Sandoval, Shaw, Moncada kind of being in that rotation. Um, Benintendi seems locked in as the left fielder. Um, but the one position player that I think may potentially be shopped around this season, and this is just totally conjecture, Um might not be because I think Dave Dombrowski does really like him, but that's Jackie Bradley Jr. And my question to you is, Jackie coming off the season that he is where he performed so much further above the offensive expectations that we had for him going into 2016, um, and that coupled with the um, the flexibility that Ben has to now slide over and play center field, or Mookie Betts could slide back to center field as well either of those guys capable of playing the position. Do you think that he's a piece that could potentially be looked at to be moved this season at what might possibly be his highest value?
1: I hope not. Um, I mean, I wouldn't hang up on anybody who had the gall to ask about Jackie Bradley, but at the same time, I mean, he's always going to be streaky as a hitter, and I think the final result is going to end up being a little above average. And when you put that with his defense and you have Bradley in center and Betson right at the huge right field Fenway park, and then you have Ben in left. I mean, that is a paradise for pitchers and I don't really want to break that up. Um, I know I was one of the lowest uh, Red Sox people on Bradley coming into the season. And he uh, totally, totally turned me around. I believe in the talent and even more than that um i just love watching him play and i really he's probably my favorite player to watch on the red sox right now and i really uh i really don't want to see him traded um obviously like i said if somebody gives you a package that you can't refuse and bradley is part of it then yeah you do that but um i wouldn't be going out of my way looking to trade jackie bradley
0: let me throw a little devil's advocate at you real quick um as good as Bradley is to watch in the field and as, ho- and as hot as he can get at the plate, I don't know if you remember watching his at-bats in the playoffs, but they were a nightmare. I mean, he looked he looked as lost as you could look at most times in the playoffs and really during the second half of the season. There were stretches where Jackie Bradley goes up to the plate and you're feeling like it's an automatic out. So does that detract at all from the enjoyment that you have watching him play the field?
1: Not really. He's a boomer bus guy, and I kind of like boomer bus guys. Um, But, I mean, as far as the playoffs go, who didn't look lost? I mean, Mookie Betts looked lost. Xander Bogais looked lost. I mean, the Indians, the the Red Sox struggled, but I think you have to give most of the credit to the Indians' pitchers. I mean, they shut down the Red Sox. They shut down the Blue Jays. And they shut down the Cubs for a lot of that World Series, and those are the three best lineups in baseball. So, um, I don't get too hard on Bradley as far as the second half goes. Um, yeah, that was a little discouraging, but A, like I said, he's streaky; he's going to go through those things. And B, the strikeout rate never really got too out of control in the second half, which is always the thing to look out for him. Mm-hmm. Um, when he's when he was really bad a couple years ago, he was striking out like a third of the time. And that wasn't really happening this year, even when he was struggling. So, um, like, I, he's going to go through those cold streaks, but I don't think it's enough to um, actively shop him.
0: Yeah, I think, especially
1: especially with how deep this lineup is, um, you can kind of afford that Boomer bus guy. The
0: the concern that I think I'll have though is when he is up for a contract, which isn't going to be for a few years now. He's going to come in pretty substantial money considering what he can do offensively during the regular season and defensively. I'm wondering if the Red Sox will be willing to pony up when that does happen um, for a guy that, come playoff time, very well might be batting 8th or ninth for your team.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a bridge you cross when you get there. Um, right. Kind of like Ellsbury a few years ago. I mean, he they rode that out, and he performed well for them for most of his contract, and then he got that huge deal and they let him walk and take the draft pick. So, I mean, if that's the route that they have to go with Bradley, then that's what they'll do, but that's a few t- years down the road and you take that production before you have to make that decision.
0: Yep, absolutely. Well, either way, it's going to be a really interesting offseason season. see what they do to fill that uh, that Ortiz void and what they do to shore up that bullpen. But, you know, a few things seem seem pretty certain now. Uh, This is Dave Dombrowski's team. Now that uh, most of the other front office guys have left, we didn't even really get into that too much, but uh, we we talked a little bit about the guys that went to Arizona. Tom Tippett also left the team, uh, who was an analytics guy for them. And then Eddie Romero, who was the head of uh, international scouting, is now the assistant GM. But this team is unequivocally now Dave Dombrowski's team and it's unequivocally John Farrell's team. There's no more looking over his shoulder at Torrey Lovello. There's no more people, you know, saying that the better guy is just standing right next to him, uh, you know, in in the dugout. Um, going into next year, there are way more sure things about this team than there was last year.
1: Yeah, um, it's it's hard not to be excited about this. Um, I'm in the minority of baseball fans where I kind of like the off season. I kind of like taking a break, but, um, by January, I'm going to be itching to see what this team looks like. And, um, I'm interested to see who replaces Labello. I kind of have a funny feeling that it's going to be Ruben Amaro Jr., which would be hilarious. And <laughs> that, that's what I'm rooting for.
0: Yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing Raj in there. It seems like everybody likes him. And if you're keeping him away from the front office, that's always yeah. a good thing. <laughs> um, yeah, it'll it'll be really interesting to see what happens, and we'll be super geared up for the uh, winter meetings when those happen because that's one of the most exciting times in all of baseball. Um, so we'll have all of your Sox updates here uh, as things go. We won't be appearing weekly, as you already may have guessed, um, because uh, we haven't been putting out shows, um, but we will, you know, pop in every two to three weeks periodically and uh it gives some updates as necessary so um you can go ahead and follow matt and i during the off season on twitter you can find me at, at @devjake, and you can find matt at uh, redsox underscore thoughts um and you can find all of our writings uh on uh, bp boston uh as well uh, because we're going to be starting some offseason series going through the roster Uh, Those will be kicking off this week, so look for those as well. Uh, And for Matt Collins, this is Jake Deverell saying thanks for listening, and we'll be with you next time.